Well, we have finished the book of Philippians, and now we'll be moving into Colossians in our studies on Wednesday evenings. This is another book that was written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, this was written in about AD 61 to AD 64, while Paul was in prison in Rome. And he wrote this letter along with um, Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians all at the same time. The church at Colossae, the city of Colossae, sits about 90 miles west of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey today. It's located on the, it was located on the Lycus River. And um, the city has not been excavated today. In fact, if you look at maps of, of where Colossae is, there's just a mound. There's nothing there. And it's pretty amazing to, to uh, think about that because being at such an old place and there's a book in the Bible about it, um, it has not been excavated like some of the larger cities in that era. There's a few things that Paul deals with in this book of Colossians. He writes this directly to the members of the church there in Colossae. Some of those things that he dealt with uh, uh, teaching the Colossians about was uh, worshiping of angelic beings. You know, there was a, there's a local legend uh, back in, in those days that the Colossians believed that the archangel Michael actually um, saved them from some of the floods that happened in that Lycus River near the city. So being that they felt that way, they, they worshipped or tend to worship angelic beings in that time, in that city. There was also false teachers that, that uh, the Paul warned them about. They taught that not all knowledge um, is necessary to salvation is found in the Gospels. That's what the false teachers were teaching in Colossians. They taught that us as humans could have higher thinking by meditation to know everything there was to know about God. Human philosophy was also thought of to make them uh, more, more mature Christians. But Paul refutes that in the second chapter of Colossians in verse 8 where he says we are complete in Christ. The false teachers also denied the divinity of Christ. Uh, James Orton kind of sums these, these thoughts up of what Paul was teaching about. He called it, this is the basic, uh, basic false teachings of Gnosticism. Basically, Gnosticism is thinking that, that our human knowledge will gain us a better understanding of God. And that is a false doctrine. Everything that we have to know about God is in the Bibles, in the scriptures here that we can read. Gnosticism is defined as a love of or devotion to knowledge. It's an age-old problem that has been dealt with even since the beginning of, of time. You know, uh, uh, Eve was tempted by this in the Garden of Eden. You know, Satan told her, you will have knowledge of everything if you eat of this fruit. By more knowledge of uh, uh, knowing of everything. The major problem, it's also a major problem... Um, with those who teach theology today. You know, theology is the study of God's nature. Uh, and, and there's some of those who obsess over trying to figure out God's nature. 
by, our, by their own human mind and understanding. We can never study enough to understand God's full knowledge um, or nature or why he does the things he does or why uh, uh, he has given us, why he's given us the Bible the way he's given it to us. We'll never know exactly why. All we know is what's in the scriptures. You know, if we're not careful, we can... Um, if we try to study God's nature to the fullest extent that some people try to in theology teaching, you know, we could be categorized right with the Colossians as well. You know, so we need to be careful with that. Um, well, we need to know what is written in the scriptures. We either believe it or we don't. So that's kind of a little bit of a background of the city uh, or the church in Colossae. So we'll start uh, getting into our study here. We're going to be dealing with the first nine verses of Colossians. And... Uh, the first question that has been prepared for us is, what does the word apostle mean, and who was Timothy? And before we get into that, I want to read the first nine verses of Colossians. It says there, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your, and your love and for the, all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it is among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear, dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who has also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the, the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So going back to verse 1, our question is, what does the word apostle mean, and who is Timothy? The word apostle here is a noun. An apostle is a messenger or one sent on a mission with specific orders sent by God or sent by Jesus. In a broader sense, an apostle is, is the name identified with other Christian teachers as well through the Bible. We'll see like even Barnabas was called an apostle uh, in Acts 14 and 14. Paul was not one of the original 12, but he was also referred to as an apostle. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 5, it says, For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. And he was talking about the first 12 apostles. Paul compared himself equal to them. But Paul, you know, Paul was sent by Jesus as well, you know, on the road to Damascus. And also in Hebrews 3 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, and Moses also was faithful in all his house. So an apostle is one who is appointed to go on a mission to send a message with specific orders by either Jesus or God himself we are not apostles today there are no apostles today because we have not been directly given 
first-hand information or divinely inspired from God or Jesus. That is the difference. Apostles only occurred, occurred during the biblical times of Jesus when the last apostle John died. That was the end of the apostle age. Those who claim to be apostles now have abused the title in a way that God and Jesus had never intended it to be used. So Paul, that is the de definition of apostle, and that's why Paul calls himself an apostle as well. Timothy, of course, we know who, who uh, we're all familiar with who Timothy is. You know, the book of Timothy uh, uh, we're familiar with. This is the same Timothy that uh, Paul wrote the book to. Uh, Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey. Timothy worked and traveled with Paul on some of the missionary journeys that he went on, and it's believed that Timothy was with Paul in Rome while this letter was written to the church in Colossae as well. Timothy was a faithful member and evangelist at Ephesus, and he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. That brings us to our second question, which is, who were the saints and who were the faithful? Are they different people? And what do the words grace and peace mean? And this deals with verse 2, and it says there, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll define what saints is. Uh, saints uh, here uh, is, is the Greek word hag, hag, hagios. And that means to be set apart by God, to be holy or sacred. And faithful here is the, the Greek word pistois, which means trustworthy, faithful, and believing. Those are definitions from Strong's. In the Old Testament, you know, the Jewish nation felt like they were set apart from God as well. They felt like they were saints because they were set apart. They were chosen by God. In the New Testament writings, the authors considered all Christians to be saints. So we have, since we have obeyed the gospel of Christ, we are all saints. You know, there's large religious organizations to, that do not see it that way. They see it as a specific few number of, of men that are be, to be called saints because they considered those people to be more holy than everybody else. You know, that, that is not found in the Bible anywhere. So that is a false teaching as well. The saints and the faithful are the same people here. Those who have chosen to follow Christ or which were set apart and they were faithful members of the church at Colossae. Paul certainly could have given the church here in Bakersfield, I think, the same description. You know, we are all saints because we are set apart by God. We have chosen to follow God. And we're faithful members by the life that we live. By, by how, we, how we live a godly life every day. So I think that's great encouragement. What do the words grace and peace mean? Grace means to be partakers of the divine favor, the source whence every blessing is derived. This word indicates a general favor that the early Christians had and a general favor that we have from the divine source. The same word is used in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, where it says, Fear not, Mary, Thou hast found favor with God. Also in Luke 2 verse 40 it says, And the child grew, and the grace of God, the favor of God, was upon him. Also Luke 1 verse 52, And Jesus increased in favor, grace, with God and man. Also in Acts 2 47, 
having favor, grace with all the people. Also, in Acts 4.33, it says, and, and great grace, favor was upon them all. So we have a favor with God. That is a grace that we have. The word peace here, this is a word that is, is meaning to spiritual peace that we have when we are saved by the blood of Jesus. We have a peace in our heart that surpasses all other things. A peace in knowing that we are saved people when we follow Christ. We are content with the state that we are in, no matter how bad it may be or how bad it may seem. We have a peace that our soul is in good favor with God and Jesus. Paul was giving the Christians here at Colossae the confidence that the peace of having hope of heaven was with them. That brings us to our next question here, question number three, which deals with verses three through six. And it says there, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. So the question here is why did Paul pray with thanksgiving for the church at Colossae? Well, there's, there's, there's multiple reasons here and it, it kind of lists them here in these, in these few verses. Paul heard of their faithfulness through other means. You know, Paul himself, uh, along with Timothy, Timothy had most likely never been to Colossae from what some of the uh, uh, scholars say and some of the verbiage that's in the chapters here. Um, so Paul heard from a third party their faithfulness there in Colossae. So Paul was thankful for that. Uh, the, the church in Colossae was not established by Paul. So he was thankful that the gospel was spreading and that there were faithful Christians where he had not even been. Also, the love they had for all the saints in verse 4. This is a direct commandment from Jesus. In John 13 and 35, it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are commanded to love. So that was another reason why Paul was praying thanksgiving. Also because of the hope that they had that is laid up in heaven. Verse 5. This, of course, is speaking about the end goal that we all have. This is why we are Christians. The hope that we have laid up in heaven. That's what motivates us. That's what should provoke us to spread the gospel and to try to take it to everybody that we can. This hope that is spoke of is uh, uh, produce, it produces the love that they had for the saints. You know, they had a hope for heaven. And they loved their brothers and sisters. And, and they encouraged each other to get to the end goal of heaven. So, you know, I was thinking about this. And, you know, what are we if we do not have love for one for another? If we don't have love for another, do we, are, we, are we living a Christian life? It, you know, if we do not have one for another, regardless of what, who that one another is, we do not have the full faith of Jesus, God, and their promise to us in heaven. So we need to be careful on who we, you know, we think we can love this person more than the other person or show favor to this person more than the other person because they tend to uh, be more likable. We need to be extremely careful about that. 
We are to love everybody. That is what Jesus taught us. And also, another reason why he was thankful is because the gospel was producing fruit in Colossae, which what verse 6 refers to. So those are, the, those are why he was so thankful in giving prayers of thanks to the church in Colossae. From what, uh, from what Paul hears from Epaphras, which we'll get to, uh, Epaphras reported to Paul the things that were going on in Colossae. Paul was thankful that the church in Colossae was benefiting from the gospel of Christ. But, you know, as we continue in this study in the next few weeks, we'll also find that there was problems in Colossae as well that Paul had to deal with. And we touched on a few of those earlier, kind of in our introduction. That brings us to question number four. Who was Epaphras, which deals with verses seven and eight? It says there, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Epaphras here uh, is also mentioned in a couple other verses in the New Testament. It is mentioned here in verse 7, and he's also mentioned in Colossians 4 and verse 12, where it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Also in Philemon 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. So from these just few verses, we can find out that Epaphras was, was uh, quite possibly a member of the church at Colossae. And he was also with Paul, traveled from Colossae to Paul, to Paul in Rome while he was in prison, and was with Paul there at the same time. He was also imprisoned with Paul at the same time. So another thing, you know, uh, uh, Epaphras taught the members in Colossae uh, uh, the gospel. You know, teaching uh, helps one to learn. You know, tell, just saying the gospel, telling that some, there is somebody called Jesus, but not teaching is not, is not teaching. Simple as that. So Epaphras was there, and he taught the people and the members in Colossae, and they grew in faith. That takes us to our next question, which is uh, question five, deals with verse number nine. Number, verse nine says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And the question is, how is one filled with the knowledge of God's will? And what is meant by the phrase, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding? You know, there, this is just so simple for us to understand. You know, we are filled with the knowledge by simply reading God's word and praying about it. And meditating on it and studying it. And that is only found by, by reading the biblical scriptures. That's the only way we can really understand and know more about what God's will is for us. The verse here says that Paul, Timothy, and Epaphras were praying for the congregation in Colossae. That they may gain further knowledge of God's will. In Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, it says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery... As I have briefly written already, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I don't think it can get any clearer than that. So Paul and the other apostles were divinely inspired by God to teach and write about all the things that God wants us to know about him and about Jesus and how to follow him and how to get to heaven. 
All those things are here for us to read. Those things were inspired to the apostles and to the writers of the uh, Old and New Testament. So by today, I mean, back then, that's how those people knew about it. They were inspired by God. That's how they were growing in knowledge of, of Christ. That is the apostles and those who wrote the Bible. And, and they passed that on or taught the other members, other Christians in that first century by that reason, by that means. Now, by, now today, the only way we can do that is by reading God's word. That's the only way that we can read how to gain a knowledge of God and his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding, this simply means that when we read and pray about the scriptures, we can rightly divide them, understand the spiritual implications of them, and apply them wisely or with wisdom practically in our life. So we have a wisdom that we can gain from the Bible. Not just spiritual things, but there are practical living things that we all run into today that we can learn from, from God's word. And we can learn the spiritual things. And when we run into conflicts uh, between friends or at home or if we find ourselves in temptation, we can go to the God, uh, work God's word and, and understand the spiritual implications and apply those to our lives and work uh, out the problems that we might have. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.